<laughs> Before the power goes off, I've got five minutes. Not even. <laughs> I heard a rumor. You guys must tell me. I don't know. If I go softer, then you'll know. <laughs> Is Mark Hayfully here? Is he here today? He's still with you guys, eh? Is he? Ah, oh, but he's not here. Ah, oh, what a pity. Because the last time I shared in City Bowl, he gave his life to God. <laughs> it was my great memory of, I thought it actually hadn't gone that well. You know when you share a message, you know, oh, I did it really. Okay, look, and there's a, a couple of things that I, I'm redoing in my mind. And then there's this guy in tears. And he just can't stop crying. And he couldn't stop crying for about a year after that. I don't know if he still does. He still cry. I bet he does. He's one of those guys that cry a lot. But oh, he's such a gem. And didn't he get married? He got married. Wow, God's good, eh? But a lot of you guys got married. <laughs> Thanks, babe. I'm sure there's a few more about to get married or wanting to get married. But so I just see couples everywhere. Last time it was singles. Now you're couples. And your elders now are really old and gray. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself as well, George, you're going to get there soon. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Won't be long, but I promise. <laughs> I'm teasing her, just teasing with you guys. But So Saturday, hey? change your plans. Yes. I want to agree with Hans. Saturday is going to be incredible. Um, we've got to be at that time in the farm because we're going to gather. I mean, I, I, I realize also, as Luke was saying, like I won't know a third of you guys. Oh, no, I won't know Yeah, about a third of you guys are since COVID, but it's actually more than half of you I don't know because... So much has happened in four years that we've been in Greenpoint that it's even pre-COVID, there were new faces. And then since COVID, even in Greenpoint, about half our congregation are from the COVID era, which is crazy. We've got some old guys that were part of City Bowl over all the years. Um, 35 of us left here just over four years ago and it was a big crew. I guess a bit like the guys who went to Momerton and Brooklyn. Guys have been around for 10, 15 years, and they've raised, they've married, raised two, three kids, and they're like seasoned believers, you know. And it was a lot like that with the Greenpoint crew, um, although we were younger and less married couples, less children. And since then, we had loads of children in the four years we've been going. So not only new spiritual babies, but guys are growing up and having families. But they were, they were, and now from that 35, there are 19 left. So some have gone elsewhere, some have moved countries, some have gone elsewhere. Um, but it's a wonderful thing to come back and realize what you guys sowed out, man. Like at the moment, you've probably heard a lot about change and going and sowing and your rewards and what it means. But you packed out already. Like you're going to need to plant out again <laughs> or find a new venue. It's crazy. It's so, so, so amazing to see so many of you guys. And just to think that you sent into Weinberg and then... You, Sent into Greenpoint, we were part of that. And then Brooklyn and Milnerton, evening, four o'clock tonight, right? It's amazing. Well done to you guys, eh? Well done just for your enthusiasm, your passion, your hunger. Uh, it's, it's what this congregation has always been about, about sending and going. And uh, it's always difficult in the beginning. You lose friends. I mean, I was sitting here, I think I better not get tearful, but I was quite tearful. Because we have so many memories here, like we had a decade here. Uh, we raised kids in this church. We had kids, and or we had kids in the city bowl. And when Rebecca was six months old, we went to Greenpoint. 
and we, it was raining, it was winter, it was evening, we could only meet from 6 p.m., it started in May, by June it was wet and cold, and we had a six-month-old crying at 9 p.m. every Sunday night driving home, we're like, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, and then the muscles grow, and today you stand so thankful that you went and you were obedient, but also thankful for my friends and the elders and I remember Hans, come on, Neil, it's you, bro. You must lead it. Come on, you must go. It's like, what about you, Hans? You, because we weren't quite sure. I mean, all carrying jobs and starting families, like you know, leading congregation. But for two years now, we've been doing this full time, almost two years, and it seems like a lifetime. And I think back to my twenty years of uh, career in marketplace. It's it feels so distant in two years. Like so much has happened. And it's just, you, you cannot quite write the script. You've got to kind of step out the boat, and then it all starts to make sense, you know. So keep stepping out the boat. Keep doing crazy things for Jesus. Keep sending, keep going, keep getting uncomfortable. Those are good things, I promise you. So, like, change your weekend plans. It's uncomfortable. Be there on Saturday and, uh, and see what the Lord is doing, because He's doing a lot. Eh? I mean, you guys know. You've been central to it all. So... Um, greetings from everyone in Greenpoint. I'm so glad that Luke is preaching on dying to live, and I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be. <laughs> I'm so glad he's actually him and Zandi are taking that message because there's a lot of new people and a lot of old people, and we all need to hear that message often, right? So I'm sure they're having a good time. So uh, I'm going to ask. Uh, oh, I was hoping. I think some people went with them. Um, Luke, I was wondering if Lisi was here. Who loves to read scripture? Maybe there's someone I don't know. Because so, yeah, I'd love this young lady. Would you come? Would you mind to read a big portion of scripture for us, rather than me? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is it Lucy? So, just while Lucy's coming up, yeah, you can you can bring your Bible. I'm glad you can read that writing, but rather you than me. Wow. So is it, what, what version is that? Yeah, that's perfect. So um, as you get ready to read the whole book okay. of Philemon, okay. it's 25 verses, so it's quite long. So I hope you love reading. But just going to touch on this letter in the New Testament called Philemon, or Philemon if you're South African. And uh, it's a very short letter written by Paul to Philemon while Paul was in prison as an older man. And uh, it's 25 verses packed with so much of a rich deposit. So, Okay, so Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apophia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet, for love's sake, 
I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Final greetings. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lucy. It is Lucy, eh? Lucy. That is great. So I'm, NIV is quite a similar version of scripture, so it doesn't change much, I guess, from what you see on the board. But essentially, that letter is three. There were a few more. I mean, Timothy was with Paul, but there are three main characters Paul who wrote it, Philemon who received it, and it was about this runaway slave, Onesimus, which actually his name meant useful. He was a slave. And so to check the context out of that time, slaves were about one third of the society of that, of that day. And I, interestingly, this letter, I didn't realize this, but I found this out in research. This letter was used by William Wilberforce. Most of you will know abolishing slavery. This letter of that we have in our Bibles today was actually circulated and used and had a very big part to play in the abolishment of slavery. And so I won't touch on that too much, but just shows how powerful the message of love, forgiveness, and reconciliation is in this letter. And so I know Hans had told me he'd done a message or teaching on this letter from a forgiveness point of view. And there's so many angles you can, you can pick uh, from this. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to touch on? Because there are a lot. But it felt like he's highlighted um, this morning more and more is the message of raising sons and daughters and having brothers and sisters. And how Paul raised up this man, Onesimus, as his son. Um, but we don't need to be Pauls. We don't need to be raised as apostles to do that. You don't need to be raised as an elder or a deacon or home group leader to make brothers and sisters. We're all called to make disciples. And our richest inheritance is that we live in that and not miss that, not just, uh, you know, attend and and, and attend on a Sunday. The the very thing that the Lord wants us to grab hold of 
is the rich inheritance of having brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, and actually going to eternity one day, having impacted many, having discipled, having loved, having shown people how to forgive the way we're going to see now in Scripture. So Paul wrote this letter, and he was between 50 and 60, which I realized was very old for those days. You didn't quite live that long. It's normal today, generally. But um, he, So he would have been extremely old, probably wanting to go and be with the Lord by then. I think the average age was almost in the 30s in those days, something like that, crazy. But there he was in prison on a chain, the Roman soldier within a few feet from him all day. <laughs> and he had the ability in the Lord to write this letter of uh, uh, forgiveness. And so he could have been old and grumpy at that age, but you don't see that coming through in his writing at all. As you hear Lucy read, you just see this warm heart of Paul and this very skillful appeal. I love to use the word appeal, and I thought he could have actually been very bold and told Philemon, who was a prominent leader in his own right, and quite a wealthy person, a wealthy business person. He had a slave. So his slave has run away from him. And uh, now he's a fugitive. And actually, in those days, you can kill a runaway slave. You have the right to take that slave's life. And Paul's concern was that, going back to Philemon, I need to tell this leader that this slave has now become a born-again believer and a follower of Christ. And therefore, you need to treat him differently. So that was Paul's reason for the letter. And uh, if you think about Onesimus uh, coming there as a runaway to Rome, to this busy place, to get away from uh, his slave master, he then gets impacted by a prisoner named Paul. And we don't have all the details of how that interaction happened. But he was able to lead him to the Lord, disciple him, raise him up as a son. And then what did he do? He sent him back to make right with the person he'd run away from. <laughs> and we're going to get more into that just now. But uh, confidently and boldly, Paul writes this letter to a fellow uh, believer and instructs him. So the second person is Philemon, who I said was wealthy, potentially a business person, a, a well-to-do person. Could, could quite have been a little bit, and I'm stretching to say, self-centered. Possibly a little bit arrogant, strong, and he's going to need to be influenced by his brother Paul to make a different, uh, to make a different decision around the slave when he returns. And then the third person, of course, Onesimus, the runaway thief. And Paul began. Paul now loves this person because he's seen him come to the Lord, and he's grown him up, and he's discipled him, and he's invested in him. And you'll know what that's like. You form a bond immediately. But especially when you see this person grow up in the Lord, coming from darkness and into the light. And Paul would have evangelized, would have led him, would have discipled him. But what did he say in that extract? He said, I'm going to send you back uh, useful. Which was actually the, the meaning of his Greek name, was useful. But after running away, you can imagine a slave was like, you're actually pretty useless to me right now. I need you back here, like working for me. But Paul said, I'm going to send you back and he's actually really going to be useful now like more than you've ever experienced in the past, because you're not receiving a slave. You're now receiving a son and a, and a fellow worker in the kingdom. So I felt to focus on our, on our, besides sons and daughters as a highlight and discipleship making, which really our, 
our attitudes and our maturity because uh, it's holiday season, you know, we can kind of switch off in December and Jan, but we do get, <laughs> we need a break, don't we? We all do need a good break. But at the same time, we get to see friends and family and visitors because in the city, I mean, we've got so many visitors at the moment. I'm sure you guys have got visitors here today. We've been having a lot of visitors. And so people are interacting with us over the summer months, every year in the city, and they come and they see us, they're at bras, they're in our homes, and I always ask the question, what do we want people to see when they're amongst us? And our heart is that they see an attitude that is so different to the world. Yesterday, we played five-a-side in Greenpoint, that's what we're doing now, we're drawing in loads of new guys, and it was an Airbnb guest from London, and he's like, something different about you guys, we don't swear on the field, like most footballers, <laughs> like those Man United players, you know, can't play and their language is terrible. But the Liverpool guys, very different. Okay? Just to throw that out there. <laughs> but it's like, we can have fun together with these, these people that visit and interact, but we want them to see a godly maturity that they can't quite understand. Or like an attitude of how we approach every decision in our life that is so different that they fall in love with that. They, they, they confuse that to a point where the, the curiosity builds and their hearts become open to. So this is Paul's letter of great maturity and great uh, attitude. So obviously as believers we know we do a lot of, we have to do the right thing. We have to follow our Lord. He has, he has commands for us. He has a way of life for us to follow. And often we have to do the difficult thing. So what I love in this story is that Paul says, look, I've, I've got to send you back. I'm sure he wanted to keep Onesimus near him to aid him in his work. But it's time for you to go back. Um, I'm going to lose a son. He uses that language. You can hear it's like part of Paul's heart that I'm sending my very heart away. But he knew that he needed to go and make right with the person that he stole from and ran away from. So now as a believer, you don't get off scot-free. You need to go and do the right thing, um, Onesimus. You need to go back. <coughs> and there's a cost involved because he's losing someone useful to him. But this needs to be, there needs to be forgiveness, there needs to be reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. And that's the point of the letter. But the beautiful thing is that it was also, so there's a cost in the journey we live, isn't there? In the kingdom, you guys are counting the cost because friends of God, I mean, you've sent, you might not see people. I mean, we haven't been back here in the four years of Greenpoint. A lot of it's to do with COVID. Your meetings were so small, you can't just come and visit because of the last two years. But you get busy and new people come into your life and you, you miss friends that you'd love to spend time with. But God's calling us to more and more people. So there is a cost. It's a very real cost. Paul's, Paul's experiencing that cost now with Onesimus. We've experienced, you guys, we're experiencing that cost of going and sending and releasing and saying goodbye. But think about the risk that uh, Onesimus took. He didn't know how he was going to be received. So there's a risk involved in coming into the kingdom as well. And even Greenpoint was a risk. We didn't know what was going to happen. Would it stay outreach? Would it grow? Would we lead? Would we stay leading? Should we stop? Should I quit my job? Should we go full-time? Whatever does it? No, no, no. But if we count the risk, the whole time, we'll never move anywhere. So you give your risk and you give your cost to the Lord and say, it's yours. Now we move forward and we leave it with him. And so Paul, I'll leave the risk with the Lord. But Onesimus, you need to go back. You need to make right. And um, Philemon's challenge was another one that we have to face ourselves. And that's called a heart perspective or a heart shift. 
Because for him, as an older person, successful, he needed to receive a letter and some direction and a gentle rebuke from Paul. And he would now need to change his perspective and his heart towards the runaway slave. And how often we need to do that as well. I need to change my heart. I need to change my perspective. I need to come in lower, heed instruction, heed direction, and receive somebody differently. Or maybe forgive somebody. Maybe even today, we'll need to consider forgiveness for ourselves. Someone in our family, someone in our blood family, in the church family, maybe there's something for us to even consider uh, Philemon's position right now, which would be to receive a runaway slave who by right could take his life for what he did. And so let's have a quick look at verse 8. Remember, it's one chapter, 25 verses. I'm going to read quickly through verse 8 again. Accordingly, Paul writes, Though I am bold enough in the Lord to command you to do what is required, <clears throat> excuse me, for yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man now and a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you, my child, for, for my child, Onesimus. He calls him a child whose father I have become in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now indeed he's useful to you and to me. But I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but out of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted away from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Now no longer a slave or bondservant, but more than that, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and the Lord, in the Lord. So I'm like, I'm, Philemon, I'm, like, I'm flawed by that. Because he's appealing to the heart. He's, he's going over and above our natural instinct, which is you know, to take revenge or to grab hold of my right. You know, I need to sort this issue out. And, but Paul's just going deeper and higher and appealing to his heart, isn't he? And of course, Paul could have commanded him. He's got the authority to tell him what to do without extending grace and love. And, but the whole way here, Paul's showing a fatherly heart, isn't he? He's actually caring for Philemon's response and heart and godly maturity for him as well because he wants him to respond in a way that's going to grow him up. So he's got a lesson to learn here. Uh, so it's a lesson of grace and love which is being extended to him in this letter. Paul says, I became a father to Onesimus. And uh, that's where I wanted to pick up on sons and daughters. I mean, do we realize that some of us become mothers and fathers, even in young age, to others? Brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. It's the way of the kingdom. People come into your house, they come into this house give their heart to the Lord. Become family in a very deep way. And uh, you can see the tenderness in Paul's expression. And uh, I want to ask, do we, do we express that same tenderness and fondness and love for one another in this house? Uh, because we should. It's, uh, there's an eternal family that God is building here. And I know for some of you, you may have walked with people in this room into the kingdom. You may have discipled for many years. You may have loved. You may have had people living in your home. You may have prayed that prayer and seen a person come from darkness to light. You may have baptized your friend here. You know, this is the relationship that Paul and Onesimus are talking about. And so do we have that, that heart? Do we see ourselves as a, a brother, sister, a father, mother? Because it's an eternal 
loving relationship that goes far beyond the rules of the day, the rights of the day, the way people respond in the world. It's, it supersedes that. It's an appeal to our hearts that goes way greater than uh, the way the world operates. Okay? You still with me? So what about... Uh, <laughs> Let me give you an, a story. We had a guy, well, he's, he's married now, uh, Joe. He came with us from City Bowl. And uh, we didn't really know Joe that well because he was in another home group and City Bowl was about 180, 90 people when we started Greenpoint. And Joe had a major directional decision to make. Good job offer overseas in Europe. And uh, he seek godly counsel. He sat with uh, myself and uh, Marius, who's an elder, was in City Bowl with us, sat with uh, Rosk as well, who's an elder. And he asked for direction. He seek counsel. And his parents thought it was a great idea to go to Europe. A single <laughs> time is now. And we challenged Joe. He was leading a home group at the time. We said, look, uh, this could be good. But the fact that you're seeking direction from us means you're seeking direction from the Lord. We, we don't want to... Uh, lord it over you. It's not what we ask to do as your leaders, but we want to help you to see what the Lord is saying. So we're going to be there for you through this journey. But ultimately, like Paul wanted for Philemon, was to see the Lord's way in this, without commanding, showing him a loving way, uh, showing him truth, but appealing to his heart. So we're appealing to people's hearts all the time, aren't we? So we want you to hear the Lord. We want you to see that he has great plans that go even beyond a good career and a good salary and as time went on, Joe heard and saw the Lord for himself, <clears throat> that this is something that he could lay down for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of sons and daughters, brothers and sisters that were starting to gather in his apartment in Greenpoint. It was starting to build an inheritance of his own. He laid that down, um, and within a few moments, he got a new job offer in COVID, a better job in South Africa, a good job. Uh, taking him during the last year of COVID, taking him into a new job with a better salary. And it was a beautiful testimony. And then a woman entered his life, a young lady in Greenpoint. Suddenly the lights went on. And within six months, they were married. They got married at the end of last year, December. It was a great wedding. And so Joe and Lindy are now Mr. and Mrs. They've come on as deacons in Greenpoint. And uh, his wife is a firecracker. She's yeah, the, the most prophetic voice right now in our congregation is Joe's wife. She's come into more by marrying a man who loves the Lord, and together they just are an amazing gift to us. And it was incredible to see uh, someone surrender a decision and lay it down, and also for people around him to come around him, first as mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters, and appeal to the heart to try and see what the Lord wants here. Ultimately, you're going to make the decision. He, we felt in the season he made the wise decision. And God has honored and blessed us. It's beautiful to see. And so we've got to be open to these challenges. We've got to be open to the leadership uh, as we see Paul's leadership. We need to be open to one another's leadership and leadership within the household of God, right? Also for Anisimus, think about him. He needed to be a genuine convert. He needed to be a genuine believer because if he wasn't, what would have happened? He would not have gone back to his previous slave master. He would have just ducked. This is too hard for me, you know. I can't do this. But the very fact that he did go back and that he was ready to risk it all and return home meant that he's, he truly was now a son 
of the Most High. He truly was a disciple. And that was beautiful for me because he carried on and he followed the instruction of Paul. And of course, uh, Paul's heart throughout this is really pointing us to Jesus. I mean, Paul does say in his letters, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, right? And that's the answer. Follow Paul as Paul follows the Lord. His hands leads you and the other elders and their wives is they're following Jesus so that there's an example set for everybody else and for the rest of us. And Paul was doing the exact same thing, imitating Jesus. So verse 17 and to 22, Paul says, so if you consider me, Philemon, if you consider me your partner in the faith, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. If he was wronged, or if he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge this to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, and I will repay it. And I love that, because here we see Paul doing three things. Saying, receive Onesimus, now a son, as you would welcome Paul. See, this is the way of Jesus, isn't it? Paul taking Onesimus' punishment, in a sense, on his shoulders. And saying, I'll pay it back. I'll take the debt. And uh, how do you respond to that? I mean, if you, Philemon, he loves the Lord. It's obvious that you, you cannot respond in a different way because you just see Jesus through. It's like, of course I'm going to take it back. Maybe it's hard at first, but you can imagine him going, okay, Paul, if you say that, if you're laying your life down for that son or that brother, how can I respond any differently? And I love that mature attitude of Paul. And, so, and if we're willing to do the same and, uh, you know, take... Take the debt for our brother, for our sister. Lay down our lives for one another. This is the way of the kingdom, isn't it? People are going to see that and want that because it is so different to what we see around us, right? And of course, he called, he's very skillful in his writing. I love that. Um, he reminds Philemon that actually, you know, in the Lord, I, I, I could command you, he said. <laughs> I do have some benefit from you. So in other words, if you don't, you know, you do owe me, and I, and, and I can command you, but out of love, I want you to do it differently. Why? It's not manipulative, and it can, quite, it can almost seem that. I know at times I went like, wow, but it's skillfully talking to the heart rather than to the head. He's wanting him to respond in love. And isn't that the same when we discipling friends in our home group or, you know, the coffee and speaking into someone's life when you've got to bring something difficult and you, you love the person, but you've got to love, there's something you want to challenge them on. When you do it with love and when you do it as an appeal to the heart, almost all the time people respond really well. And you often get surprised, don't you? Because <clears throat> you think of the cost of friendship or you think of the risk and oh, this is going to be really difficult. And when you do it with Jesus' heart, Paul's heart, there's always breakthrough. There's always love. There's always a, an ability. To, oh, I'm, I see the Lord, yeah, and I get what you're saying. Maybe it's difficult at first, isn't it? Um, but you see the Lord's heart. And that's what we see through Paul's letter, which is, which is so beautiful. <laughs> and thinking about, sometimes there's a, there's, there's a need for Jesus to take people away from us for a while. And so Anisimus time away from Paul and it gave, it gave him a chance to grow up in the Lord, but it gave Philemon a chance to respond well and to actually maybe over time the Lord has done something in that, that leader and so that when he receives his ex-slave back as a son, he would have time now to reflect and an ability in the Lord to receive him 
well. And so I also realized driving here this morning that many of you are going to, you're going to be losing friends what's happened now. Maybe your home group leader's gone. Maybe an eldership couple you were close to have now moved on. And I want to say, like, it's not that difficult to keep relationships strong. You're going to build here now for the work that the Lord has you in this place. But I want to say, like, keep loving and keep extending grace to those that have gone and um, blow into their sails, you know. <clears throat> pray for them. One of the things I felt for City Bowl AM is to continue to pray. Uh, I know there's prayer warriors around this room, but I think nothing that the guys that have gone will cover more is your prayers. And you can imagine Paul stuck in jail to a chain, chained to a guard. Besides writing, he would be praying. Praying for Philemon's heart. Praying for Onesimus. Praying for all his partners. They even said right in the beginning, as he starts the letter, as he does so often in his letters, is, I remembered you in my prayers. Um, and while I was praying for you, you know, this was dropped on Paul's heart. So, and he will remind him, I, I, I remember, I, I see your faith, I see your love for all the saints, and it warms Paul's heart. And he always starts his letters like that. And I wondered, how often do we pray for our partners? Because if we see the model of Paul and the other leaders, it's a, they're people of prayer for their partners. And when they write a letter to their partners on our days, when we go and visit our partners or give them a call or have coffee, it's, uh, it's the same thing, but uh, how often are we praying for their successes and praying for their hearts and encouraging them? Because we got WhatsApp, man. Paul had to send a letter, you know, <laughs> with somebody. Like, and we can just, we can blow wind in one another's sails so easily. And so I trust that we'd grow, even from today, as um, prayer warriors for our partners in the faith. All over the world. I mean, so, seriously, you guys have got a lot on your plate because so many have gone. So just, you just have to wake up in the morning and like, Lord, who and where and how and what are you saying? And just keep blowing wind into their sails. And the amazing thing is next year, international uh, conferences and outreaches have opened up. So then there's the partners all over the world and there's going to possibly be some conferences in Europe and I see stuff starting to develop. And you think like, Lord, where do I start? Well, just start praying for one. Just start trusting for scripture and for word for that one person, that one new congregation, that, that one new leader who's stepped into unknown territory. And you'll be surprised how much you can encourage, just as we see Paul doing that here and touching the hearts of those people. So just to encourage you guys, keep praying. Keep serving behind the scenes where they don't know. You're soaking people in prayer, and you're coming with the heart of the Lord for them. And just continue to reach out and encourage, and one another. So I'm sure here, yeah, even this family is going to need to grow now and uh, develop new bonds. You know, there's a lot of new people around. And so you have a great opportunity here to do the very same thing. Eh? Yeah, come on. <laughs> so Paul put a call out, I think it was you, Paul, to, to anyone who today, this Paul, uh, <laughs> Paul Loins. Have you ever turned his surname backwards? <laughs> when I say Paul Loins, they say who? Oh, Senor. Ah, you didn't guys get it. But I read backwards, so I see what. <laughs> guys, uh, you ask him about his surname. You ask him. <laughs> I'll just share one more story with you guys. Where is it now? Oh, man, there's so many. Sure. Yeah. Everyone knows the story of 
Peter getting out on the water, out the boat. So we learned it in Sunday school and kids' church, and we got over it and over it and over it. But that story became a real reality to me, over the, especially over the last year or so. Because um, if you don't get out the boat, we know the story. You never read, you're always in the comfort of the boat. You're in there with Jesus. It's easy, it's comfortable. And one of the things that Ryan and Lilani built into City Bowl, and it's in the fabric over all the years, is that they loved pushing you out the boat, didn't they? <laughs> it was always, uh, we, we're comfortable, we need to just a little bit more until discomfort is a good thing. Uh, risking is a good thing. And it has been a good thing. I remember Will Marais. I can clearly see it in an old uh, Jan van Riebeck High School venue. Will came to share. And he was pointing us to more. And he, uh, he said, you know why you guys are, are living in the more? You know why you guys are radical worshipers and you're going and there's all this amazing, exciting news? You know why? And he kicked Ryan. He was like, no, it's these two. It's these two, you know, as he does. Because they create a vacuum and a slipstream for all of us to come into. And yes, it's gifting, and yes, it's God's call on their lives, but I feel for Ryan and Lonnie, it was more, you guys will know, they were out of the boat and on the water, because they didn't like comfort, you know. If it got too comfortable, it was like, okay, we need to get out of the boat again, and they taught us to do that, and that's rippled through you guys, and it's still rippling through you guys. And so, one thing we've learned in the four years of uh, the Greenpoint congregation is it's better to be walking on the water. I'd rather like, feel like I'm sinking a little bit and then be reminded, look at me. You know, don't take your eyes off of me because I'll tell you what, being in the boat sucked in comparison. And uh, I remember at one point when we were really big, this is a confession, <laughs> as an elder with Reuben, he's eight today, the first year of Reuben being born, it was very easy to stay in the boat, even as an elder in the church. It was so many gifted people. I, I didn't have to, like, I could just come, sit at the back, have a nice coffee with Clint. I'd be front-footed. I'd be at prayer meeting. I'd be trusting. I'd be with the team, united. But things would be taken care of, and it, things would be covered. And it was actually, we actually got really big and comfortable. We loved each other, and it was an awesome. But this is what you guys are living in, all of us are living in right now, is so much better. Because we're constantly having to step out into the water. And it's so good. It's so, so good. And just to encourage us, let's, uh, let's be those that can quickly say, hey, man, it's getting a bit comfortable with you. Carrie, you guys, been married now. How long? It's coming up, eh? Yeah? <clears throat> so you've been married a little while next year. Okay, don't get too comfortable. It's, it's wonderful. But the best, best journey for marriage, to keep a marriage rock solid, to be on the mission for Jesus from the very beginning. That's kept us going. There's no place for it. Of course, you're going to enjoy marriage more when you're stepping out with Jesus. The best place to be. And so hold one another to account. Make sure that no one's sleeping in the boat while the storm's raging because that's, that's not a cool place to be. It's way better when the storm's raging, stepping out, eyes on Jesus. What do you have for us, Lord? What do you have for me? Am I still risking it? Am I still counting the cost? Because I want to be that kind of believer. Our days are short. Speak about Will, decade ago, I think it was. Will's probably going to be with the Lord pretty soon. We won't have a Will here kicking us. We have Paul and Rion, Andrew and Hans and Dave, George, saying, come on, it's time to get out the boat. It doesn't always have to be Europe 
Brooklyn, Milton, maybe this city, this area, your work, your school, um, your family, your friends. It's on our doorstep that there's a call for us to, hey? On our doorstep, man. Come on, hey? So much, so much for us to live for. Oh, it's exciting, hey? <laughs> Come, why don't we stand together and I'll, I'm going to bring this to a close. And I would like to ask two questions, maybe three. <laughs> yeah. So just, just as I was sharing about <clears throat> Onesimus, the runaway slave, I didn't want to leave this in case there's a runaway slave here. <laughs> but Paul asked a little bit earlier. Maybe you guys can just close your eyes and just, just begin to pray with me, church, for the Lord to just move in, in our hearts together today. Maybe just begin to just pray quietly on your own. <clears throat>